Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. I am here with a high five today, and this high five goes to sweatpants. So there's many of you who are probably thinking, duh, but I haven't worn sweatpants since high school. I had like a bunch of sweatpants for, you know, different activities and extracurricular things, but I gave them all away and I haven't worn sweatpants until a few months ago. And I'm talking drawstring, elastic around the ankle, pockets, I don't know how I've lived so long. This is 16 years of my adult life, guys, that I have not been having pants, sweatpants. <laughs> you can put them on over yoga pants. I've been recording in them pretty much every time we record. I'm wearing them because they're warm. I can actually have functional pockets that I can fit a phone in, keys. I mean, I am like loving the sweats. So, mm-hmm. wow. Sweatpants. I'm, I feel like I'm like a new woman with sweatpants. So yeah, I love them. Thank you. Justin Bieber vibe that has now given us permission. There's way else. They're spectacular. And I, I mean, I can like change out of them easily to regular clothes. And cause again, they're easy to take on and off. Like I just want to be in them all the time. They're quite comfy. Thank you. If it is Justin Bieber who I owe that style to. Thank you. Might. You just might. Justice Beaver. Justice Beaver. I'm currently wearing pants myself. It is pretty. I mean, (laughs) currently I'm wearing pants. That's good. Um, I'm wearing sweatpants as well. And it is. It's very luxurious. Very nice. Okay. I also have, well, actually I have two, two high fives. One is we're, this our re-recording of this episode. And it was definitely a lot of face palms. Oh my gosh. Ugh. And this is at night, guys. I'm in jeans. And so this is making me very unhappy talking about sweatpants. I'm wearing stiff jeans like a crazy person. Anyway. Technical difficulties. But something I was thinking about today is that we're talking about managing time today and being intentional and being present. And this morning when we were recording, I was feeling slightly scatterbrained for some reason. Uh, so I'm giving a high five to you another chance to bring the intentional energy to this recording. Yes. And I have one more high five, and that is to Sunny, my boys four now, wowzer. Um, Parker took the boys camping, and Sunny was so pumped about every second of it, but especially the fire. And Parker got this hilarious video of Sunny just doing the most elaborate like dance around the fire, just hollering clapping like whooping like just loving the fire so much he was channeling the energy it was coming through him <laughs> and it's just the best video i need to watch it every morning to get pumped up for the day i think it's so hype video. yeah <laughs> yeah it's awesome it really is contagious i feel like when i watch it i can't help but just laugh it's I so know. cute it's hilarious. i love it okay mine is a high five high five and a pace bomb I, my baby just started crawling and it is so freaking adorable. It's so cute. Cause it's like, you know, right when they first start crawling, it's kind of like this, 
their like movements are a little bit halted anyway. And so it's just so cute because he's just figuring it out and I'm loving it. And I'm loving seeing him like get that new layer of explore exploration. But on the flip side, it's just a new phase of like figuring out the like sibling dynamic between him and Emmett because now like before he was kind of contained like he could army scoot a little bit but like now he can actually go to where Emmett is playing and so anyway so now it's just hard because now Emmett's like no no baby will like no and he's like trying to like carry his stuff like away from him anyway so this is like a new part of trying because now Emmett is kind of like not a fan of that so anyway it's just a new <laughs> level of figuring out what to to do about that so anyway that's that's where i'm at is a, a five high five for him crawling but also kind of a face palm of like figuring out how to navigate this it's a new thing for me totally that is a tricky stage where the home court is threatened all right so today we are going to be talking about actually a couple books and how they complement each other and slightly contradict. Um, the first one is 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. And the subtitle is Time Management for Mortals. And so the premise of the book is that we have 4,000 weeks. Most most people live about 4,000 weeks. And it's kind of daunting when you hear that, at least to me. I think 4,000 weeks sounds short <laughs> when you think how fast a week goes. And the other book that kind of inspired this episode is the book Start Finishing by Charlie Gilkey. And in a way, they um, are so different. But I think really we're just looking at the question of is there such thing as actually using our time well? And in 4,000 Weeks, Oliver argues that we kind of get stuck in the trap of using our time well. We think that we can somehow... Uh, control the amount of time we have but it's really where we find our power is when we accept that we are limited and we have restraints and we accept that the finality of our life so then we can actually be present and we can be intentional in the things we do spend our time on I thought this specifically this book 4,000 weeks was so eye-opening um he has a quote that says, um, to see if we can't discover or recover some ways of thinking about time that do justice to our real situation, to the outrageous brevity and shimmering possibilities of our 4,000 weeks. And I just love that quote because it is almost kind of a gut punch when you hear like, it really is short, but there are so many possibilities. So it's like that, like fight between those two, like there's so many things we want to do. And yet, there's so many times where I'm like, I just want to like stare at my kid because they're so amazing. I don't want to do anything. So like that fight inside of us is kind of what we want to talk about today and address. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he talks a lot about um, kind of like efficiency things because he started out being, I think he calls them, was it a pro productivity junkie? Mm -hmm. Where it was like, he actually wrote a column every week about like how to be more efficient and productive with your time. So he was very into it. It's definitely a hobby. And then at some point he kind of realized like, wait a minute, like the more we become quote unquote efficient and more productive, it seems like the busier we get, like the better we get with using our time to get things done, it almost feels like we just we just fill that time with 
more stuff. Mm -hmm. And so um, he kind of parses that out a little bit of like unpacks. Okay. Well then if we only have these 4,000 weeks, if, if we make it to that long, then yeah. Like what, if like we want to be intentional, but we're about what we're feeling it with rather than sometimes it does feel like if we're not intentional about it, that time can just get so easily sucked into a vortex of like we save time in some ways, but then it just fills up with things that if we're not careful, things that we maybe don't care as much about. One of my favorite, well, okay, so I'm not great at clearing my email inbox, but others are. And just to be clear, I value that uh, trait in people a lot. So I'm not at all saying that that's not a not good trait, but he uses email as an example. The more efficient you get at clearing your email, the more you realize it's an infinite, it just keeps going, right? Like it's just forever. But that's the beautiful thing about that metaphor is that it's up with our whole lives, right? So we're always going to have things in our figurative inbox, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of managing that in a way that is, first of all, not overwhelming. And second of all, in a way that we can still live, like we can still be present, even though our inbox in our life isn't like always just cleared, right? So so the thing about 4,000 weeks is that's just an average. And the cool thing for me, it was just a really humbling reminder that none of us knows if we're even going to get 4,000 weeks, right? So it's this beautiful balance of learning how to envision our lives. Like we want to act in a way that we are thinking of our future, right? You know, we're saving for retirement in our kids' college, but at the same time, we're not living for the future, right? That we can still live and accept the present moment as we're here. And my favorite, maybe my favorite quote of the whole book, and again, this is from the 4,000 Weeks book, but he says, any finite life, which is all of it, all of our mortal lives, right? Here in this current state, even the best ones you can possibly imagine is therefore a matter of ceaselessly waving goodbye to possibility. And that's the crux of the issue that we're talking about today is that when we deliberately choose what we're going to fill our life with, that intrinsically means that we're saying no to an infinite amount of things because we live in a world where you can learn anything. You can travel. I mean, there's not even enough time. There's not enough time in your life, even if you full-time travel to see every single square inch of the earth. Right. I mean, so it's such a cool idea. It kind of makes my brain tickle in a really good way, but there is so much of this life that I am never going to experience. I can't, I don't have, and mortality is not going to happen. So therefore that puts this amazing feeling of, okay, so what am I going to choose? And as I say that, I can almost hear, I can like hear people saying, okay, well, that's a little, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Right. Like, and so as we talk about this, it's not pressure. It's not like a now feel anxious about all the things you can't do. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the idea that this is like an honor that we even get to choose. So we take that choice and we can use it. And even as I say that I can, in um, the other book, which is start finishing that is a much more productivity driven book. Right. And he talks about how, you know, you only have a certain amount of time, same thing. So what are you going to focus on? And you only have a certain amount of time to focus on say if most big projects take you three to five years, that means you're only going to have in your adult life, you know, maybe eight ish projects. So that means it matters what, what you actually choose. 
And he said that during the industrial revolution, that's when people started getting paid per like hour, like time itself started getting paid for, not just the job itself. And that's when people started saying, well, my, my time is worth this amount. And that puts a lot of pressure on us. And we're like, well, my time is worth $200 an hour or, or not, whatever. But we start feeling this pressure of like every second, are we using it well? And if we're not using it well, or we don't think we're using it well, then it creates anxiety and we're not even living in the present moment. So all of this conversation, I just want to emphasize that this isn't meant to be like an anxiety creating conversation. It's a, sometimes being intentional looks like being still. And sometimes it looks like getting something done that's important to us. And sometimes it looks like cleaning up something for the 10th time. And sometimes it looks like working on something that feels like our calling in our life, right? It can be all of those things. So it isn't designed to create anxiety that we're not using every second. It's just really acknowledging that we have the choice. And the only place we have the choice is now. That's the only place. In fact, it's the only time we actually have. We don't have the future. We don't own the future. We only have right now. So we can envision the future. We can hope for the future but where we actually live is here. So that to me was kind of the yeah takeaway. It wasn't, it's this beautiful, how do, how do we find the balance of planning for the future, accomplishing the things in our lives that we can with this, didn't Mary Oliver say it? Um, what are you going to do with your wild and precious life or something like that? Mm-hmm. Your one wild and precious life. Yeah. It, there's this beauty, it's a beautiful choice. So that, yeah, we don't want the whole thing to go by and we're like, oh, we didn't even do anything we wanted to do. But we also are not like beating ourselves up with, productivity like that five minutes was wasted and therefore I needed self-flagellate you know right but that is I think the problem that most people feel is you're either you're like something like oh I'm being so efficient like blah 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 and then you look back and realize that that you missed out on moments that aren't deemed efficient or a good use of your time in quotes or mm-hmm. you are like, oh, I'm just going to enjoy. And then you're like slightly feeling guilty. Like there's things you should be doing. And I think it's that, that like where we're trying to control something that never, we don't have control over. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no control, mm-hmm. like release the control. Um, and I think in order to do that, we have to realize that like Terlyn was saying, Every choice we make is, this is um, Oliver Berkman's quote, every choice we make is both an affirmation and a sacrifice. So um, we do have to choose between things. And I think, you know, it's kind of trending to be like, oh, I'm going to say no, like be really assertive about our no's, which is great. I love that. But I think the bigger question is like, what are we choosing to say yes to? Because for me, oftentimes there's a lot of things I want to say yes to that sound really fun and great or exciting or something that I'd like to work on. But you have to realize that every time you say yes, you're you're saying no to something else. And if we can get into a state of JOMO, the joy of missing out, instead of FOMO, I think we just find more, just a lot more contentment. But those are hard decisions to make. I don't know about you guys, but I have a hard time with that. Because you're saying we're saying no to things that we love, like we actually like. They're good things, right? Warren Warren Buffett said, make a list of the 25 things you want. And then the top five, you go all in on those. 
And then you actually avoid the rest, the other 20 <laughs> at all costs, because it's those other 20 that are going to stop you from actually getting what you want. Cause focusing on 25 They're at a tempting. time, exactly. Focusing on 25 <laughs> things at a time is not going to work. So you're not going to get any of them, but because they're still good things, they're things you want, right? It's difficult. So I actually love that. That for me was actually really also humbling to be like, Ooh, cause I am a person who I want it all. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, can't I just do a hundred things? That mm-hmm. sounds reasonable. Doesn't mm-hmm. it? Can't I travel and be a writer and be an acrobat and be a mom <laughs> and be a wife and be this and be that. And then also just like maybe be a psychologist and a doctor at the same time. <laughs> can't I do all of those things? And be well rested. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and still sleep and maybe somebody just told me the other day about professional paddle boarders and I kid you not guys I actually was like why haven't I heard of that why haven't I done that like <gasps> I love paddle boarding that would be so fun to get paid to paddle board I mean but this is just ridiculous right like it's ridiculous are there races is it a matter of balance nope. I had a lot of questions and I was abnormally interested in something that I have never considered in my life but what I'm saying is this like it's it's pricking me because I, I do, I want to do all of it at once. So to think, choose five and then avoid the other 20, that sounds really hard for me. But the cool thing about it is the other thing I like, this is in start finishing. He actually really talks about how just, just because you're saying no to something right now does not mean you're saying no later. So limit the amount of things you're working on at a time. So I've mentioned this, I think once before, but I had this woman, I did a, I was at this conference thing a little while ago and it was, I was 30 and this woman who I sat by at this table told me that every five years she focuses on one thing. Cause she's like in a, that's like the amount of time it takes a lot of people to get degrees. Right. So you choose something you want to master and then you delve into it in five years. And she did some of them were really like meaningful things, knowledge things. And other things were fun, like playing tennis or oil painting. And she got to be really good at those things. And so I was 30 at the time and I was right in the middle of having babies. And I said, okay, so until I'm 35, this five years is going to be creating babies. Like, I mean, like just the growing them and feeding them that first two years is an incredible, huge task. And then I wanted to know, like immerse myself, like degree level immersing in psychology and brain development of children, which this is actually how we started. That's how I that's one of the reasons why I love this podcast so much because it's a result for me of so much like obsessive research on the subject. And I love it because it makes so that, and then this, this five years now I'm choosing something, I've chosen something so different. It's more like mind body connection stuff and the stuff I'm pursuing with yoga and stuff like that. But to me, it's, if I think of things like that in like five year chunks, just because I'm not writing the book I want to write this five years, that doesn't mean I can't in a few years from now. Right. But for me, that feels on one hand liberating. And it also makes me think, what am I doing right now though, to make so that I am going to be able to do that then? Am I, am I, we talk about this a lot, you know, am I incubating? Am I, am I using my skills? Am I writing every day? Am I doing that kind of thing? Am I just putting it off because I don't want to do it right now because I'm procrastinating or am I intentionally choosing that this isn't the season of that for me? And those are two different things. So when we talk about this, saying no to something now does not mean you have to say no to it later, but it means you're choosing it. You're not just like putting it off. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Well, and another thing that I, I really loved, I want to like emphasize 
what you said about how you did decide that like for five years, you specifically wanted to focus on learning brain development of kids. And I think that that's something, at least it feels really easy in the society that we live in to feel like motherhood or fatherhood is kind of like, it. you know, it's an aspect of life, but also like, am I doing this hobby and I, am I building a, I don't know, a career, like, am I doing these things, which again are fine and great, but I think it's really important to recognize that like kids and your home are a project. Like they do take an iner- enormous amount of time and energy, both emotional and physical and spiritual. And so like we are putting like as moms and dads, we are putting like our hearts and souls. Like I like feel like I put my soul into like my kids and I love that. And so I think seeing that as a project and somewhere that we're putting our time, I also think it helps us be more realistic and like more realistic with our time management, with our time that we have, because that is such a big part of it. So I think sometimes we, we, we don't even count that as like a project that we're working on, but like for a lot of us, like having little kids and, and even not even little kids as they grow, they do require a lot. And, and it's okay to like, see that as something that you are also trying to better yourself with. And I think it's like a huge growing experience. So I, I think it's a good thing to not discount the things that we're already involved in, which for a lot of us is child, child making and rearing, you know? Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you are looking for a great gift for yourself or somebody that you care about, consider getting them a Find the Magic journal. It is a journal that each of us use daily that helps us with questions in the morning that it asks you and that you do a little bit of journaling to help you focus on what's important for the day and really make steps each day towards your goals. And then it also has a section to plan out your day so that things don't slip away from you and there's even a section for you to reflect at the end of the day and I have found that as I've used it it's been so powerful for me in really living my life in an intentional way so if you'd like a journal just go to findthemagic.co and click on the top link that says FTM journal. So again, that's findthemagic.co and just click on FTM journal. Thanks so much. Ooh, I have a question that's like a slight, just no, no formed thought, but I have a question for you. Because as Kane was saying that, Uh, something that made me think is yes. And also as much as the like kids and home and everything are like so different than a project though, in that they're 24 seven and they're also like until forever almost. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that's true. Until you die. There's no like three to five year timeline here on this. <laughs> so true. And so I wonder like how we balance that enormous like thing that we have with mm. also these little nuggets mm. of things that are different and outside of that. Mm. I have no idea. Throwing it out. Okay. Okay. Can <laughs> I tell you, can I tell you what I'm, I'm thinking as you say that? So first of all, excellent, yeah. excellent question. <laughs> so in, so I'm kind of blending these books. They're kind of, I, we listen to them at the same time. And so sometimes they're blending in my mind, but I think this one is from start finishing, but he recommends never having more than two to three projects at a time, like finish one before you move to the next. Cause if you have, 10 open projects, you're just never going to do any of them, right? Mm -hmm. Or they're going to take a long time and you're going to lose steam. So what you're saying is child rearing is an open project. It's like a never ending project, right? But in my experience, so I have been a mother for 13 years. And as I say this, I'm acting like I know the answer. I actually don't know the answer to your question definitively, but this is just what's coming to my mind. So if I look at my 13 years of motherhood, I would say, okay, and my last child was born five years ago. So for me, those first seven years of, I was literally pregnant, nursing, little baby break, enough between two of my kids that I got my ambition back. It's like this feeling after I stopped nursing, maybe a few months after I stopped nursing, where I like started feeling like a dis- like like the ambition for like that more outside stuff deeper. Because it's always there, but like it would actually like, I had more energy to do it and but then I'd get pregnant again, right? And need to sleep more. And just, I literally was like, can I eat enough food? Cause I'm hungry. And you know, you know what I mean? Seriously, <laughs> yeah. like when I first have a baby, it's a legitimate concern of mine. Am I going to get enough food? I wake up so hungry, right? Like I'd wake up and be like, I'm and tired. As much I'm so tired, but I'm also so hungry. Anyway, like, I mean, I feel like it's like Maslow's hierarchy. Like I was like, it's so internal and all that, there's so much energy that's going into my body. And then into this human that's just right next to me all the time. So for me, I would say for, it was seven years, seven. And then how many children you have would change that, right? And this is just my own personal experience with a few little windows of energy that went out. And I can actually see when I found that energy, right? Like in between my second and my third, I did Mrs. Utah, right? Like I felt it, I did it. And then I went back to having more kids, right? So it'd be like a little thing here or I'd get like certified for yoga teaching in between one of those. Right. But for me, I would say, so if you have, let's just go with the, for fun's sake that you have the bandwidth for three big projects at a time. For me in though, in that stage, it was literally probably two full projects, just having those kids and bringing them like nurturing them into the world. But now, even though I wouldn't say they take necessarily less time because they still have tons of needs and now there's, they have a ton of stuff outward that I feel like we have so much stuff, right? So I wouldn't say it's necessarily like less time, but it's not so much of my own bone energy, right? Like mm-hmm. my body, like I can, I have enough food energy and I mm-hmm. control my sleep more now. So now I would say my kids are one big project, but they're just one. And so I have more room for other projects. So for me, it's more, it's not that the child rearing ends or that it necessarily ever like gets to like this point where it's just like a backburning project. But for me in my own life, I felt like I have had more bandwidth as my kids have gotten older for other big projects. So 
for me, it's more, I guess, for me, the biggest takeaway is count what you're doing, however much that is. And I know for me, when I have babies, I go inward a lot more than a lot of my friends do. You know what I mean? Like a lot of my friends still love doing a lot of outward stuff, but for me, that sounded exhausting and draining. So for me, honestly, it was like a, I'm doing my kid stuff. And then I'd like go to yoga class once a week and take a bath every morning and read my book and do my miracle morning. And that was like, that was, that was like a project, right? Mm -hmm. To me. And it was really just self-care and that was it. You know what I mean? But, but for me, it comes down to counting what you're doing. And I think some people don't even count their day jobs as something, right? I know a lot of like dads, I know feel this pressure of like, my day job doesn't even, some don't even feel like, like it doesn't count because there's all these other things that are so important in my family, which they are important, but let's count what you do. Like doing, having a job that you go to for eight hours a day is a big thing, right? And it counts. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's more like counting what you're doing, but I guess, I guess that isn't a full answer to your question of how do you not let it swallow you up completely and lose yourself, which is a really good question. Yeah. And I think when you're talking, it's all about choice too, because you can choose to have, for example, like, you know, there's just so much that goes into the kid time, but within that, there are these choices that you can make a project or you can not and choose to. So for instance, like say, say your house and cooking food, maybe you have this choice of, I actually want to get yoga certified and teach this. So I'm not going to choose, like I'm going to have help with the house and I'm not going to make these elaborate meals like that. You do have choices within yeah. mothering that yeah. you can work within. Totally. So I think that's a good, yeah. Just realizing one, like giving yourself credit for mm-hmm. what you are doing and then also realizing you do have choice mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a lot of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Deep dive, man. Yeah. And it is all encompassing. I was going to say, because I think we are talking about two, well, not even slightly different, but kind of when we talked about like the Warren Buffett thing of like 25 things you want and then the top five you go all in. I definitely, when I think about like my top five, family, like kids is definitely in there. So it's like, of course, because I want to prioritize that, it is going to take, you know, some time, energy, love, all that stuff in it. But I think maybe then when we look in terms of like kids in like a project, like if we're looking at it in that way, yeah, like that project might change over time. I think it does look different when you have babies and toddlers versus kind of where you're at, Terilyn, where you're kind of phasing into like slightly more elementary tween stuff. But yeah, it is a, a project. And I think you bring up a good point that it's like how we use that time. Cause yeah, it's like now Terilyn, you have some things where it's like you have carpool and you have different stuff where it's like, you can decide how you're going to put that energy in. So I think you make a good point that it's like, it still is going to be a project, but how you put that time and energy in is going to maybe look a little bit different for each person and what you, what, how you want to prioritize it. And there is power in realizing you have choice. Totally. I'm really glad you emphasized that because there's so many different choices that we can be intentional about mm-hmm. at any stage. Yes. And that we no choose to do the things we're doing. We're mm-hmm. not stuck. We're choosing it, right? we're choosing to drive carpool because we value it for some reason. You know what I mean? And for me, it's, that's liberating ever since I don't remember who we first learned that from. And we've talked about it so many times, but to me, it is liberating once I, I mean, I tell myself probably three times a week, 
I am choosing this. Even when I do something I don't like, like I'll be like, I am choosing this because I see value in it. I'm mm-hmm. choosing this. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not stuck. And it's usually, it's usually, it does have to do with driving people places, frankly, <laughs> but I am choosing this and this is why. And I'm reminding myself that it is a choice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it doesn't work. And I actually do. I outsource it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, cause sometimes it doesn't work. Right. But, and I, and I choose that too, but mm-hmm. I, there is power to realizing we can choose or not choose things. We're not stuck. Totally. So aside from the, you know, the joy of the choice, I think the other antidote to um, feeling like you're stuck in this trap of seeing your time as something you can control is relaxing into the present moment. We talk about this a lot, but really just stop assuming that we're that our life is somewhere off in the future we're trying to get to. So really, like Carolyn was saying earlier, we only have right now. And I love, if you want some poetry to just get you in the mood to just like love every second of everything, Mary Oliver's your girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just read any of her poems. But Oliver Berkman put this one, this part of one of her poems in his book, and it's attention is the beginning of devotion. And then he goes on to talk about how distraction and care are incompatible. So even to like the smallest moments in your day, if you just like do that comparison, like if I'm distracted, I can't care about anything. Mm -hmm. Like right in this moment, if I'm distracted by a text message Mm -hmm. or if I'm distracted by worrying about the future or Mm -hmm. something in the past, I cannot care. And it's like, ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Like punch me in the face. Ouch. (laughs) But that that hurts me. It really does. <laughs> How many times am I distracted? As you were saying that, I can picture it. I can totally, picture the times too. I'm distracted. And that's not care. Right. And I'm looking at my phone right now kind of bitterly. Yeah, kind of Like sending. with a little <laughs> anger. <laughs> I realize I need to, I mean, and again, we've talked about this so many times, but for me, I, at this very moment, am like, I need to reevaluate my, mm-hmm. my phone boundaries. Cause you were, you're talking about future, looking in the future also not living in the present moment. But for me, that's a big culprit and ouchie. Like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I cannot be caring for the person in front of me if I am also distracted by my phone. Or yourself. Cause you're just like, like me or anyone else there. It's like, that I'm just saying, because usually it is like, let's be honest, it's like a text or a call or like just getting sucked into your phone. And it's like, I'm telling this thing that it's more important than either myself or my personal goals or more important or more urgent than the people that I'm with. And, uh, and we all know there is something, I mean, we named this podcast, find the magic because for several reasons, but one of them is that one of our pillars is living in the present moment. So that is literally, I mean, if you've ever changed a baby's diaper while being present, you realize how tender and amazing and rewarding of an experience it can be changing a diaper. I mean, nobody, nobody counts changing a diaper as like their highest goal in life, right? Their most meaningful, but when you're present with it, it actually does, it elevates it. It becomes this it can become a beautiful sacred space. So what I'm saying is I feel like if we can just do this one thing, this one thing of being intentional with our choices, 
planning our time, like for me doing our journal practice that we have, we have just a little planner where you ask what's important to you in our journal and you actually just plan out the day. It makes so you don't have to be running it through your mind all the time. Like what am I going to be doing at three? Am I going to forget this? And it allows you in your mind to say like, it's already in the calendar. Like it's going to happen today. Not everything's going to happen today, but the stuff I've written down is going to happen. And it allows me at least to sit there and actually be more present because you can do less. I fully believe that if you do less things, but you're present with every, with all the things you do, your day feels like you've actually fulfilled it. Like you feel like you're living. Mm -hmm. Whereas we've all, I mean, just think of food. Just think of literally. I was going to say, it's like food. (laughs) Yes. You can eat an apple and be present with it. And it's so satisfying and pleasurable and everything. And you can eat something that's way more delicious than an apple. You can eat a chocolate cake while watching TV and you don't even taste it. And it's Mm -hmm. not satisfying. And I'm not saying that I love chocolate cake too, but I'm just saying it's not satisfying. Living distractedly is not satisfying. So yeah, man. But here's the question. It's good. What did everyone do before they just text you 24 seven about specifically where your kids are going to be and need to be (laughs) like, (laughs) like these sports text messages. Oh my gosh. We're 3.5 minutes away. Are you here? What field is it? Like, People used to figure this out without texting each other. Just, right? just yeah, keeping yeah. up with sports threads. I'm like, this is insane. I don't even watch sports. Just my own children's sports. It's like a half, it's like a part-time job for me. Just RSVPing. Yes. Where has this practice changed to? It's exhausting. And yeah, I actually do think that. I asked my mom, I'm like, how did you manage? We had one, like my brother was playing competition soccer and I have two kids playing it. And I'm like, how did you even do that? She's like, oh, we just got to schedule. And then you just go to you the You go stuff. to the same place every week. It's really not rocket science people. <laughs> but I think of that all the time. Yeah. Why do so many people need to communicate with me? And <laughs> and it's actually, I don't want to exaggerate and be overdramatic here, but I feel like correspondence is the bane of my existence, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> like, I just sort of shut it down completely. Jeff will come home and I'll be like, did you see those like 17 texts from your family about important things? And I was like, I heard the beeping. <laughs> And once it got to like five, I just, I just, I don't know. I have not seen any of them. Anyway, anyway, I digress. But what I'm saying is, was it Charles, one of the, one of these authors was saying that email, especially who invented that any, almost anyone in the world can send you something at any time, (laughs) at any time. Like where did that, and, and we are expected to respond thoughtfully. (laughs) I don't, nobody expects that from me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but for the most part like you're expected to respond you know anyway yeah I don't know I don't know that's a great question and I feel like just concretely it's something that really messes with my present moment <laughs> most of them <laughs> yeah. it's pretty crazy okay bringing us back so, well yes bringing it back which I'm not even to that point but that does sound crazy back to me <laughs> Um, no, I, what I loved is that it's so true that, so kids, I feel like one of the best gifts that I feel like I get from kids is just that they are so beautifully and fully present. They are not thinking about the way that they are building something, how it like is going to build their brain development. Like they're literally just putting things where, you know, like they're doing exactly what feels good to them then. And I've even noticed, like, it's funny because sometimes at the end of the day, I'll like, ask Emmett like oh like what was your favorite thing from today and honestly like I don't even think he thinks like that like he's not thinking about like the past like it's almost like 
I'm here now. And like, this is great. I don't know. It's amazing because I think, and babies especially are just, you look into their eyes, they're with you. They are not thinking about yesterday and what happened. You know, like they are so there. And I think that's such a beautiful gift that they give us. And one of the things that I really loved, we already touched on it a little bit, but like Oliver Berkman in, in 4,000 weeks, he talks about when he first became a parent, he was reading all these parenting books about, you know, I mean, you could fill up like a huge tank with how much information there is about how to like help like a baby sleep. And there's these different camps of, you know, like, you know, do you let them cry it out? Do you sleep with them in your bed? Do you do this? Do you do that? And what he talked about is like, sometimes we do so many things for our kids because we want something in the future for them, right? Like we're trying to do all these things for them so that when the future comes, they will have this or they will be this. But sometimes we get so caught up in the future that we almost miss out on the present. So it's like, you know, some of these books will talk about like, you know, you never like don't let your baby fall asleep in your arms. They need to fall asleep in the crib, which I am not, I am actually not condoning or condemning either of these things. But he also gives the thought of like, but how enjoyable, like they don't talk about how enjoyable it is in the present moment just to hold a sleeping baby. And it's so true. Like we've all held a sleeping baby and it is beautiful in the moment. And that doesn't mean that then sometimes we also lay them down when they're like when they're awake so they can go to sleep. But I think if we are always thinking about the future, we miss out on the beautiful present that our kids are for us. Yeah. Right. Just when you're saying that, like, or, you know, there might be times when you lay your baby down because it's like, I, like, I have to not be with you. Like, I need a minute. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you're running in that guilt, shame, like, oh, but I should have been holding them because, uh. so like, you're not present with enjoying your shower that you got to take. Mm-hmm. You're like running that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like either. It goes both ways equally for sure. And the the common thread is guilt, first of all, both mm-hmm. ways that people just torture themselves that they're doing it wrong instead of just realizing that there's there's benefits to both and you're doing what works for you and you're making a choice again mm-hmm. you're coming to the present moment with the the balance again though it's that we're not only thinking of the future of course future is in our mind but we're living here mm-hmm. yeah I just want to know because since we're talking about kids and sleep and all the things that are such a big deal I just want to take just a little like sidebar to say that sometimes when we talk about things like the present moment is so precious. I know a lot of parents specifically, I know people, you can feel this at any stage in life, but I know especially parents of young children feel this. They feel this guilt of, okay, yeah, that lady at the store told me to enjoy every moment because it goes so fast and live in the present moment because in a blink, they're going to be in college. And they think, walk away, lady. This is so hard (laughs) right now. So I just want to point out, that there are moments in every day that, of course, you can have this blissful joy changing your baby's diaper, like my ex- my example earlier. And there's also times when you get peed in the face and you're not <laughs> loving it, right? You, you so may not fun. love that. But to me, it kind of comes back to, and we'll link this episode, but where Eckhart Tolle talks about, if you can get to the point where everything in your life is at one of these three levels, either acceptance, enjoyment, or enthusiasm, you realize that, yeah, you're not going to be enjoying and in bliss every moment. And you don't have to feel guilty about not being in bliss every moment. That's okay. Sometimes it's sometimes there are really hard things. And sometimes we feel really hard things. And sometimes we are in that level of enjoyment. And then sometimes we even do go up to enthusiasm where we're feeling that just, oh my gosh, this is the best. 
But if we can, even in those moments of difficulty, be at a place of acceptance instead of fighting it and lathering on the guilt and the shame and anything else that we could possibly think to make it worse, right? If we can, if we can try to just like not, or, or distract ourselves or numb ourselves or whatever, if we can just feel the stuff, feel the hard things, feel it. Like I literally, I mean, I'm, I'm having times I can totally, I, I felt this. Somebody breaks a glass. Your baby is hungry. You need to nurse the baby, but the other kid's about to walk on the glass with their bare feet. And then you have, it's just one of those feelings as a parent where you're like, I'm going to lose my mind. Right. But, but even that, even those moments are really, really hard. If you can actually just feel them and still just be there and accept to me, that's a beautiful space to be, be like, you know what? This is hard. This moment is really hard. And I'm feeling angry and I'm feeling scared and I'm feeling impatient and I'm feeling frustrated. Just recognizing those things, using all of the techniques that we talk about all the time with dealing with emotions, just naming them, recognizing them, investigating them, and then moving forward that still applies to this, all this talk of life being finite and it's being so precious. I just want to make sure we're circling back to this idea that just because it's precious doesn't mean you have to be in bliss every single moment, but it means that the good and the bad as it comes in, we're feeling it. We're not numbing it. We're not distracting Mm -hmm. it. And we're not only living for the future or only living in the past that we're actually making space for that balance of being in the present moment. I just want to make sure that people Mm -hmm. listening aren't like, because I've, I've been there before where you're like, don't tell me to enjoy every second yes. of this because this is really hard yeah, sometimes. Yeah. And there yeah. are also these beautiful moments of enjoyment. And to feel them both, right. I got to actually feel them when they're here, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think the big thing for me in this book was not everything you are doing doesn't have to have a reason, a purpose, count for something, be able to be checked off a list have some sort of like grand scheme for your future. It can just be, you know, a moment or an activity for the sake of just what it is and being in that time with the people you're there with. Like, it's not even, we know those people who they're just here mm-hmm. and you can just mm-hmm. feel it and they've got no agenda mm-hmm. for this thing that's happening. <laughs> and they're incredible. They oh change you just by being in their presence. Totally. And I think it's easy, even in moments that seem like, oh, this is just going to be an enjoyable time, like, you know, like reading books to your kids to have it be in the back of your mind, be like, oh, this is going to help it so that they're a good reader when they're older. And it's like all those little things are really a subconscious way of your, not that that's maybe not true, but your mind telling you like, this is counting for something. You can check this off some sort of hypothetical list in your mind and that is value lies in the future right the value is also here yes totally and I I love I think that in itself would help me with my perception of time Mm -hmm. just letting things be what they are for what they are yeah in that moment just so you guys know I feel like you guys both are that when I'm with you I mean we all have times where we have a lot of stuff going on but for the most part, I feel like there's been times where I have come to you and just leaving. I feel like that was the most therapeutic thing that could have ever happened just because of your presence mm-hmm. and your attention, mm-hmm. which I feel like too. a huge gift. Yeah, I would also agree. I would rest right back to you. And this podcast, it always just whoo, makes us come full circle. All these things we're debating. All right, guys. Well, we hope this has helped you. 
Um, clearly, we have a lot of things here that we want to unpack further. So you can find us on Instagram at Find the Magic Podcast. We always love to talk about anything that we talk about in the episode. If you have questions, we love if you leave them in a review. So it will help us and we can help you. All right, let's find the magic. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> Brown cows. <laughs>